0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Bucks, Bulls, and Bows podcast. I'm your host, Rod White. Got a friend with me today on the mountain, uh, Michael Lloyd. Some of you may have uh, remember him from some other podcasts we did. And um, he does a lot of photography stuff with me. And so he came up to hang out and take some pictures. So, yeah,
1: hanging out with you for a couple of days, get some photos, get some video. And then I am heading on my way to go back to Montana, which isn't far from where we're at, and try to film out Tag.
0: Yeah. So yeah. maybe if I get lucky here and tag out i'll just ride along with you yeah that'd be fun yeah so we uh he's usually i generally hunt by myself with the exception of this you know actually it's really almost always this last week of september or no. whatever we We're in the third week of september yeah um generally i'm by myself but um yeah we've become good friends over a long period of time because of archery and um, yeah he takes some pretty sweet pictures and i use them some here and there in social media so
1: yeah it's just nice to hook up with you once or twice a year to do some hunting, and it's about the only time since I really haven't been shooting a whole yeah, lot anymore. Yeah, not shooting tournaments much either, huh? Yeah.
0: Well, um, we just thought we'd kick out a little podcast here and kind of explain how it's going. This is my favorite time of the year as far as elk go, um, arguably. I guess it's my favorite in that we generally have a lot of interactions, but not necessarily kill one. It seems like... Usually the 15th, 16th, somewhere in there, I usually kill one, which happened this year. somewhere. I don't know what the date was exactly off the top of my head. And then um, I usually kill one when I have two tags. Um, that last week, it seems like the last few days of the season. Um, yeah, because a
1: lot of times after I'll come and hang out with you for a little bit, then once I leave, it seems like you shoot one.
0: Yep, yep, so... I don't want call you bad luck or nothing, it's just <laughs> <laughs> the, the way things work. I, you know, I, I said something earlier in one of the other podcasts, I know I did, um, that You know, elk are a little different than whitetails in that, like, geographically how they're rutting, I guess it's the same with whitetails. Um, what I mean to say is, like, y- you could see a whole lot of rutting activity on one side of the mountain and then go on the other side of the mountain in a different drainage and see the same bulls a day later not really caring at all about the rut, seemingly. Uh, At least in my experience in the areas we're at, it's just, just odd. So it's hard to pinpoint behavior. And that's why I don't do like a 30 days of rut podcast kind of thing with the elk. Plus it's kind of hard to do podcasts on the side of the mountain. So, um, but what we, what we experienced today is pretty typical for this time of the year, which was a lot of bulls bugling, um, a lot of, a lot of bulls breaking away from herds, chasing individual cows. And it's kind of what we found, found ourselves in today. Yeah. It was
1: pretty crazy today, really.
0: Yeah. We started out like thinking it was going to start out pretty good. We had an older bull for sure um, that we kind of moved in on that wasn't real far from where we were camped at. And uh, unfortunately, we had another hunter moving towards us too. And we were hearing this other big herd um, bugle quite a bit, which is really unusual other than when you get a hot cow in an area, um, man, you know, bulls start flocking
1: (laughs) there must have been what five six bulls screaming in that herd
0: yeah and that's it really is pretty unusual for where we hunt at a lot of times um so it's just it's just kind of odd to see but it happens and when it happens and they get in a big group like that it seems like they just move across the landscape and they pick up other elk with them as they go and the herd gets bigger (laughs) and bigger like (laughs) some kind of (laughs) weird ball of excitement um so anyhow we took off after those and then um on our way um, trying to get closer to them. We heard a couple other bulls, and I said, you know what, This is, I've played this game before, it's not going to work. So we peeled off of there and went to another area I had marked on the map that I'd called some other elk in before and uh, got nothing there and then kind of circled back around like we were kind of headed back towards camp and come up with another game plan. And then we heard presumably part of that herd that had broken off, um, a couple bulls pushing a couple cows and a calf, I think mm-hmm. it was our way. So yeah, you can kinda take it from there. I guess.
1: Yeah, well you saw a lot more than I did at first. Um we did get what well, we got on that that bull um that five point yep. he stepped out. He was a five point he was a little out of range so we rod couldn't get a get a shot or even attempt to try to get a shot. It was kinda brushy and and kinda far, but once he kinda went to the right we were gonna try to head him off and then he just kind of circled right back and went right—he w- turned around and went right back to where he came from.
0: Yeah, and the two cows and the calf um, broke off to the right, kind of. Well, that the- was
1: after That was after they went back into that little dip, Yeah. right? So then yep. we went after them in that little dip, and you were in the lead. And you kind of crossed this little hill, and then—I don't know if they bust or— I don't think they
0: busted me at all. I think they were just doing their thing. I mean, they were just getting chased by that bull or whatever and just trying to hide. (laughs) I say that. I mean, and I say it because there was three of them. Like, had I seen one single cow there um, who was probably in heat? Like, I've seen that a lot where a single cow will take bulls away from the rest of the herd when she's in heat. Um, In this case, there was two cows and a calf, so I'm going to assume that probably wasn't the case. He was probably just chasing her around. Maybe there was a hot cow there somewhere, and he was – push push them or whatever but yeah yeah anyhow they they boogied off a little bit and then um that that bull bugled once or twice more answered and then that was it um, and there was another bull there too i'm yeah. pretty confident and then um yeah we heard nothing <laughs> and then that's where yeah. things get kind of jacked up for us yeah years. that was
1: different because we started <laughs> he kind of went quiet and we thought oh maybe we screwed that one and then we could hear another um, herd across this huge open kind of meadow. So we started going after him <laughs> or that herd. And once we started getting in that meadow, Rod was ahead of me, and he stopped and looked down. And I don't know what he was looking at. And then I heard some whistling behind us. So I turned around, and there's two guys pert near running at us. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked up to Rod and looked on the ground, and there's blood all over the ground, and. A, I look to my left, and there's a nice six-point bull just laying what twenty yards away. <laughs> right. and we're like, "What the heck just <laughs> happened here?" So yeah. we're not quite sure if that bull is the one that we that we kind of had a close encounter with. I'm wanting to say it wasn't.
0: I don't think it was either.
1: But at any rate, we somehow helped that guy <laughs> kill that six-point. And we shook his hand and said, congrats. And right. that was about all that we could muster at the time. <laughs> we had a few choice words after we
0: left. But yeah. but to be clear, it was nothing he did. Like he no. even said, he's like, yeah, we were just coming up here. You guys were working that bull. And next thing I know, this bull come running right at me and I shot him. <laughs> I like, wow, that's. That's a cool story, kid. Yeah. It's just one of those
1: things. It wasn't. I mean, we'd have done the same thing, but it was
0: a little, kind of a kick to the nuts, right? <laughs> so then, to make things even better, because there was an older guy, and yeah, I said kid. He wasn't a kid. He's probably my age. Maybe he's younger, or maybe older. I don't know. And uh, he and he was super excited. So that's super cool. But um, there was an older guy there, or whatever. And I thought for sure that these guys were coming up to talk to us about. Not chasing the elk that we heard across the meadow because I was like, "I got a story for you, scooter." <laughs> we'll just see who gets there first. <laughs> but after seeing the dead bull laying there, I realized that they were just coming up because they they were worried we were going to jump that bull, and there was no yeah. jumping that bull. Man, he hammered him. I mean, yeah, he
1: was dead. Yeah, you could see the end of his shaft looked like it was sticking out of his heart. Yeah, he was dead, but we didn't we didn't have a clue until we walked pretty right. much right <laughs> up to it. <laughs> I so mean, then we did everything, but got it for him He right
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then i I headed we headed across um this meadow to catch up to these other elk that were bugling and this is where it gets even cooler um we we were got along the edge of the timber and then just stepped into the timber and there were two elk that took off um i didn't even see what they were uh, that took off that weren't real far into the timber, and there were still bulls bugling and those that there was one bull at least there apparently because he was bugling mm-hmm. and went um kind of back to where we just came from and the other one went along like directly o- opposing that direction across from us away from us and so we started going after them and uh and we made it i don't know a couple hundred yards or something like that maybe a little bit further and then i uh, heard her i thought i heard a, um, a couple sticks break so i cow called a couple times and then, um, cause I thought for sure that that bull was further ahead and he definitely was because then, then we met some other hunters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you're screaming a good bull, you know, it's a good bull. <laughs> and then when a little squeal comes out of left field, <laughs> you know, you know, the jig is up. You're done.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then we just sat there going, now what? <laughs> But uh, yeah. It, when I say I hunt, you know, over-the-counter areas, I'm obviously over-the-counter. Area, well, I shouldn't say over-the-counter. When I say I hunt publicly pressured areas on public <laughs> lands, yeah, yeah, plenty of pressure today, especially. Yep. Super frustrating because um, uh, this particular area, it seems like when we first kind of found it, there wasn't we there were definitely hunters, but you didn't run into them daily like you do now. Now a bull beagles and you hear the old side-by-side fire up from. Yeah a couple miles away and they're on their way
1: and we knew too going in when that herd was crossing that big field i mean the amount of noise they were making and the the bugling and screaming and we knew it was gonna draw in everybody right i mean everyone within a couple miles could hear that yep i mean it
0: was just unreal yeah it's cool to hear um it's not so cool whenever you're you know hunting public lands and there's people and every turnaround that they can possibly park their vehicles in and i mean there's like there's like a little mobile home like i thought people were selling like trailers and campers <laughs> down there because there were that many of them in one spot like <laughs> i was gonna swing in there and ask them how much they wanted for one um but there there's quite a few people down there and they all have four-wheelers and they all have side-by-sides um you know and they're cruising around in the morning and it's, what's really frustrating to me and it's not just like it's it's not just about like Man, you kind of screw the pooch for us it's you screw the pooch for yourselves oh yeah i mean if you're chasing I, I don't even understand the thought process you hear a bull bugle and you're sitting there eating bacon and eggs with your buddy it's just breaking light and you're like hey i think i just heard a bull and i don't know and your buddy presumably turns around and looks at you, and like hey we got a four-wheeler right there or a side by side let's jump in and go yeah I mean, it's just incredible, and so the tough part is, in this country, we're hunting is right now, I'm hunting, and it's it's pretty flat um, compared to, I say that we're on the side of a mountain, we're really not, like, on the mountain mountain, um, and the problem with it is is that, you know, it is, there are a lot of roads that are accessible, um, it's pretty easy to get around, but if those elk aren't talking, boy, it's pretty tough to kill one. No,
1: on the... It gets frustrating, too, when the people on the four-wheelers are side-by-side, stop every 300 yards and bugle. Yeah. And then fire it back up and take off and stop and bugle. And I don't know if they're expecting to draw in a bull on their four-wheeler, how all that works. I've never seen that hunt, you know, take place.
0: The the best ones are the guys that are in the trucks that roll down the window and bugle out the window.
1: Yeah, I have heard of that.
0: And, and they have the radio on. Yeah. And uh, then they roll the window back up and just continue on their way. Yeah, but what's traditionally happened here, from what I've seen, is in a lot of cases those those elk will step like if they're out in a meadow like that and it is cracking light or whatever, which is about the only time you see them in the meadows, um, those they'll step back in the timber and then the guy drives off and, until you can't hardly hear them anymore and then they pop back in. Yeah, problem is now. Um, since Idaho like decided that they're going to change the way they do their tag systems, apparently it's the funny part about this is, is, and I am a non-resident hunter, so I don't have a whole lot of room to talk about this, but, um, they changed their system last year and the way that they draw their tags, um, to limit the number of non-residents because they felt there were more non-resident hunters than ever, which is odd because the number of Idaho non-resident tags have been like 12,189 or something like that for like 30 years. (laughs)
1: yeah so there's only a certain amount
0: yeah so no you actually i i would actually i haven't seen another out-of-state truck here but what i have seen is a boatload of idaho trucks yeah i mean a boatload i cannot believe how many hunters i'm running into now it's almost like pressure is now increased yeah and so you know i don't i don't know what the deal is it's hard to say but um it is super frustrating when when you have those people running around in their four-wheelers and their side-by-sides and I mean it's public hunting it's part of the game but man you know they're they're not helping themselves let alone anybody else. No. And I'm sure there's other hunters that are frustrated too with that but maybe even hunters in their own groups. I mean I'm, I'm assuming when you have a camp full of 19 campers that there's probably, you know, Cousin Bob, Uncle Dave <laughs> and Grandpa Jim and Grandpa's probably the one driving around more than likely and yeah. I'm guessing Nephew Tommy's getting pretty upset too at <laughs> Grandpa Jim, but <laughs> who knows, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it
1: does get frustrating, but it's
0: what do you do? It's also super rewarding though, whenever you kill one, like it's like, wow, yeah, pulled it off, so we'll see what uh the next few days brings, um but yeah, we're in a time of the year uh right now this third week, so typically, like how the day kinda goes for us anyways, I don't know if this helps anybody out there, but. Um, in the mornings, we're obviously trying to get on bulls that are talking on their own uh, right away. And then uh, as as the day kind of moves on, usually around like 9 o'clock-ish in the morning, regardless of the moon phase. It drives me nuts, the moon thing. Um, whether it's a moon or not a moon, they pretty much generally shut up. Yeah, um, And I'm not sure if that's pressure-related or whatever the situation is. It doesn't seem to matter the weather a whole lot either. It's just the way it is. And then um, you spend the rest of the midday hours trying to to, to find a bull somewhere that wants to talk. Um, after today's lesson, again though, I'm going to try to find just one that wants to talk and not four or five. Yeah, right.
1: and probably not want to talk as much. Yeah, you know, if we can get just a bugle or two out of it, and then try to try to move in so it doesn't alert um, more hunters.
0: Yeah, yeah, that and and typically you just don't have. I mean, I've only we were talking about this the other day. I maybe had three experiences in this area where, like, I've bugled out a bull and he just lost his mind and just comes running right into you. Yeah, the screen. Yeah, they don't really off. do that here. It doesn't happen. Um, it hap- happens in some other areas where there's not as much hunting pressure and maybe where numbers are a little different. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's the reality of the over-counter type hunting that I've done. And I've done it in a lot of states um, from Utah to Oregon, I've killed bulls in you know lots of different states, and um, typically that's this is more like how a hunt generally works. Yeah. For me, so.
1: It seems like as soon as you hit that bugle, they'll let you know they're there, and then they boogie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you you got to kind of think about the dynamic too. Like these are a lot smaller herds that you're hunting for the most part. I mean, what we saw today was pretty unusual. You see that like once a year, twice a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hunting a lot of uh, single, or maybe there's sometimes there's two bulls and three or four cows, maybe six or seven cows. That's typically the size of the herds that you kind of see. So um, if you think about it from their perspective, when you hear a bull bugle like that, and he gives away his location, and then you move in there, like there's two things you could obviously come to mind that you could do. You could cow call or you could bugle at him. Well, if you bugle at a bull who's worked hard to get three or four cows rounded up to begin with in an area where there are, you know, a decent amount of elk. Like why in the world is he going to lay like, Oh yeah, come on over Jim. I'd love to have a beer with you. He's my girlfriends. (laughs) Like that's not going to work. No. And then if you cow call and one of them is in heat for sure, they're going to leave. Yeah. So, um, that, the situation that I've seen, like, the best thing to do, man, is eat. if you can get one cracking in the middle of the day, awesome. It's kind of like a turkey. If you get one bugling at you in the middle of the day, a lot of times he's out there by himself. And if he is, he's probably is going to come running into you. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, but, man, you're better off just sliding in, not making a peep. yeah, Getting as close as you possibly can and waiting for them to screw up. Because it seems like, especially if you find them, you know, at 7, 30, 8, 30 in the morning, get, or getting closer to 9, I should say, they're getting closer to probably wherever they're going to bed. And if, if you can bed them, for lack of a better term, and then get in real close, and then just sit on them all day, which isn't thrilling, I'll admit, um, but maybe <laughs> cow call every once in a while and just see what kind of shakes out of it. Not cow call right away, but after you know they're going yeah. to bed and you've hung around there for a little while waiting on them
1: and more i'd say cow call just to kind of calm the nerves of them i wouldn't say you know really get on that cow call to draw something into you and put a lot of excitement into it more of just kind of calm you know in case you do make a sound or something like that and they won't be too too alarmed or
0: you know ready to bolt yeah now, next week, things will change up a little bit in that, you know, and I'm not again, I'm not trying to relate these directly to whitetails. It's just experience that I've seen. Um, you do see bulls start to tend to break away, like they're searching for cows that are in heat. So they kind of bounce from herd to herd somewhat, and that is where you can catch one um, with a bugle in between or a cow call in between, uh, depending on what kind of mood he's in. So, um, th- and that usually seems to start somewhere around the 23rd, 24th, somewhere in there it's the last few days usually you head off to montana and um that's usually when i can i run into a situation like that so but it's a fun time of the year right now you're gonna see elk um if you're in you know if you're around elk at all if you're not seeing elk then there's there's probably not elk (laughs) around you because they're moving quite a bit you know in the mornings and evenings especially evenings are tough hunts for us which is you know we're kind of chilling here it's uh, i don't know whatever it is five o'clock or something like that and um i take care of some phone calls and stuff like that around, you know, that two to two to five o'clock area. Cause that, that definitely seems to be a dead zone time unless you're on a bull and you know, always close by. Um, other than that, you're, you're kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard in the evening, hoping one lands yeah. out in the meadow. So yeah, but anything else you got?
1: No, not really. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Floyd, Let's see what we see, man. Floyd G bears. Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to try to not to walk into another grizz.
0: <laughs> but, you yep. know. All right guys, well, um good luck to to everyone out there. Um stay safe and we'll catch up with you soon. See, See ya. ya.